0: All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Vaughn Dalzell. Drew Dinsick is on the slopes this week, so he will be off for a couple of days. Uh, So very happy to have Vaughn on. We're going to talk about uh, a couple of the stranger uh, contenders in the NBA, the Bucks and the Clippers and how to rate these teams and any ways to potentially bet them. We're going to talk about the sixth man of the year market uh which is one of the more fascinating awards races at the moment uh and then we'll close out in a segment that Vaughn will need to carry uh on the big 10 futures markets but let's start off with the Milwaukee Bucks Vaughn who uh was scuffling going into the all-star break he started three and seven with Doc Rivers Doc Rivers just started saying a lot of random stuff um just kind of going through the laundry list of ways that he hadn't actually failed uh, and his history and uh tenure as an NBA coach uh and now they have seemingly right at the ship to some extent five straight wins Giannis has 46 and they blow out the Bulls on national TV uh in their last outing do you think Milwaukee is fixed and do you think there's any way to bet them
1: I mean I don't want to say that they fixed everything that's been wrong with them because the whole issue with them this season Jay has been the defense like am I right they haven't had nearly the defensive system they had last year with Chris Middle or with uh, Drew Holiday, excuse me, I'm going to Boston now, but I will say this, we have to remind ourselves of who they play because you mentioned Chicago, they beat the Hornets twice, Minnesota Timberwolves and the Sixers without Joel Embiid. But it's not exactly a murderer's row right there for the Milwaukee Bucks to get right. So they do look great right now. I spoke with Drew last week and said the Milwaukee Bucks are a part of my 40 to 1 division odds parlay and I think they do win the division i think cleveland peaked and they're now falling down the side of the mountain seven 17 and one and 18 game stretch four and four out the break i mean they don't look as good as they did obviously with that record so i think milwaukee is striking Why the iron's hot jay and i think as far as even odds to minus 115 minus 120 i think they're a good bet to win their division but as far as winning the east i'm not ready to go there are you
0: No, I was just watching the Golden uh, State-Boston game today. We're recording late Sunday night. I mean, it's just kind of insane. I think people are finally starting to digest that this Celtics team is like an all-time great team. And I just don't see how anyone in the East is going to beat them four out of seven if they're healthy. Like they're just playing a different sport to Milwaukee at the moment and everyone else. As we're recording, the Cavs are down five late to the Knicks, so if we assume that they lose this game, then the Bucks will inch ahead of them. Now, the Bucs do have mm. a brutal remaining schedule, but Cleveland's schedule isn't that easy either, and Mitchell's hurt, yeah. Laverth missed a couple games, does seem like they are sliding. Um, I certainly take your point about them not beating that much lately, like they... They beat the Hornets twice, the Bulls um and the Sixers with no Embiid, obviously. They did have a nice win in Minnesota. That would be their banner win out of the break. But I think yeah. we forget it was like six games ago that they lost this 15-point favorites to the Grizz against the Grizzlies. Like they're not mm-hmm. need to see a little bit more. The thing with the Bucs that scares me as someone who is uh heavily invested in the Celtics um, to win it all, is that when Lopez, Giannis, Middleton, and Lillard—those four guys—they're big four. When they're on the floor together, oh, the Bucks have a plus seventeen net rating, which is insane. That's like the best in the league type of stuff. And there's been some three-point shooting luck in that, but the problem is, is that you know you have to play more than four guys. And Malik Beasley is their <laughs> fifth guy, and you know it's Portis and Pat Bev. It's like, it's not great after the top four, and still don't think that they're that we have enough evidence to say that they are fixed. I think the defense just has structural holes that aren't going to get better. I think that a big part of what has made Brook Lopez so dominant defensively is that he's had his entire time in Milwaukee, either Drew Holiday or like peak, really, really good Eric Bledsoe chasing guys around screens, Mm -hmm. directing them to the exact spot that makes Lopez most effective. So I don't think the defense has an elite ceiling. The offense does. But I think, uh, and I'm keen for your thoughts, Vaughn, but I think the Bucs with this run, they've established themselves again as the clear number two team in the East. Yeah, I think that's absolutely
1: correct. And, you know, a month ago, I did not feel that at all. You know, I wanted to say I think now the Knicks or the Cavs have a chance to beat the Bucs in a seven game series. They're striving to be the number two team, but I think it's clearly Milwaukee getting right at the right time. But I'll ask you this before we move on to the Western Conference, because We talk about the structural holes in the defense. Chris Middleton obviously not being healthy most of the season has been another issue to why they haven't been that. He's going to be out for the game against the Clippers on Monday um, today. So let me ask you, if he gets healthy in the postseason, they keep their winning ways correct. Do you feel more inclined to start to back Milwaukee either in a round-by-round setting or a game-by-game setting?
0: I don't think so, just because there's still, there is such a, um, there's so much equity still attached to the idea of what this team could be and should be. And I mean, this team started off the season, uh, you know, joint favorites with the Celtics to get the one seed in the East, very similar title odds to the Celtics. Like people keep on expecting that team to emerge. Um, And obviously, just the natural upside of having Giannis and, and Dame. Clearly, uh infects their odds. So if you just look at what this team has done this season, they're nowhere. They don't belong anywhere close to their price to win the East or the title. But they still do have all this upside baked in. I do think, and I'm pretty bullish on the Cavs, or at least I was. But seeing them lately, and I know that Mitchell has been hurt and he's missed these couple of games. Don't read so much into that. But you just watch the team play, and it's just like it's there's it's just a real structural flaw that Mobley and Allen are two of their four best guys and they just can't really seem to close games. Like it doesn't just doesn't look great. Like they're having to play, you know, Levert and Struess, and have one of those guys off a lot of the time. And I just think that if you can't play your four best guys together, like how are you going to beat the Celtics and the Bucs? So certainly the Cavs wouldn't be shocked if they won a series over Milwaukee. Um, But I don't think, um, I mean, I don't think they'd be favored in that series, even with home court. Certainly. Um, it's interesting to think of the, the Bucks if you envision a Eastern Conference Finals against the Celtics. Like before the season, I would have told you that the Celtics are like, you know, minus 140 favorites in that series. Now, I think it might be like, they might be like minus 250, minus 300 favorites, that yeah. type of range against Milwaukee. Milwaukee could obviously get a lot better. But um, what do you think of the Bucks' prospects of, uh, of beating Boston?
1: Yeah, no, I uh, I would like Boston in a four to one series there. I'd probably you know, stretch it out to four to two if I wanted to give Milwaukee respect. And if they played very good in that previous series against whoever, but when you just look at the defensive issues, I mean, New York Knicks are going to get healthier. Like we know that, Jay. When they get healthy, they're going to be a pretty deep team. Uh, that's a team that they might want to avoid. You spoke on the Cavs and their trees down low. Uh, but I agree. I think the bench for Cleveland, when guys like Struess aren't playing very well, the bench can be an issue for Cleveland. And I still don't have that. I still think they're lacking another score. Um, while Garland can get you 18 or 20, it's not a consistent 18 or 20, uh, I believe. So I do think that the Bucs can make it past a lot of teams. I just don't see how they beat the Celtics. Like, obviously, a 48-12 and record is ridiculous. And I've gone on numerous shows, Jay, and said, I-, I like the Celtics' over 62 and a half wins at the All-Star break. And people are saying that's ridiculous and too high of a number. But they are really that good with their five best players on their court. So, uh, you know, Miami Heat might be the only team we're throwing in there, Jay, for the Eastern Conference who could make a run if they're healthy, but they don't quite seem like the same team of years past either, if you agree with that. So I, I would say Celtics would be at least minus 225 against the Bucks.
0: Yep. No, I agree there. And I think the most interesting thing that has happened in the East... Over the past couple of weeks is now we have this kind of stratification where it's pretty clear that cleveland and milwaukee are going to be the two and the three which i think is great news for boston to avoid really milwaukee uh until the conference finals particularly like it seems like brunson his knee wasn't actually uh it doesn't seem like an acl as we're recording it looks like it might be that for a time but if he is fine and the next thing gonna get fully healthy like if they're the Celtics, their biggest roadblock until the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, you could do. You'd much rather. I think it's the Celtics. You would rather play the Knicks than uh, you know a full strength Milwaukee Bucks team, which is a bit more frightening. Um, so true. yeah, it seems like we are headed for Boston against uh, the winner of a Cavs, uh, Cavs Bucks series. Though we'll see the return of Joel Embiid could shake a lot of things up. Um, let's go to the Western Conference where on sunday the clippers had a uh, an important win over the timberwolves uh, they get back within vague striking distance of the one seed they beat the wolves in a uh, in a 99 uh, sorry an 89-88 scoreline which seems like something out of like nicks paces 1994 <laughs> uh, it was a very strange game one of the worst last possessions i've ever seen from minnesota just a team that just repeatedly shoots itself in the foot um, it's I think it's a problem that of their five like their five best guys, I think like four of them are not that cerebral on offense at all. It's really Mike Conley. And then uh, just pray that Cat and Ant don't make comically bad decisions. Um, but the Clippers, they get that win in Minnesota. And they, they've been having a little bit of a slide lately, but have arrested it with a couple of wins um for much of the past month or so the thought has been that the clippers are the clear contender to denver in the west do you agree with that or do you think that this mini slide has shown some chinks in the armor
1: i mean i'm not going to look into the the mini slide too much i still think the clippers are one of the best teams in the west i know you and you and drew talked about them a lot early in the season and kind of talked about their odds and how they were going to shift. And I feel like I missed the boat on putting money on the Clippers, on believing in the Clippers to a degree of, you know, uh, fandom. So I will say the one team I do like in the Western Conference, though, that might have a little bit better odds is the Phoenix Suns. And why I don't think the Phoenix Suns should beat most of the teams in the seven-game series, I think adding Royce O'Neill, David Roddy, uh, even signing Thaddeus Young, that added to their bench, which they severely lack. So I've been looking at the Suns lately at 9-1. to to win the West, but the Clippers are probably the biggest threat to take down the Nuggets right now. And uh, I don't believe in back-to-back situations too often in divisions or in conferences or the NBA title. So I'm looking at ways of fading the Nuggets. Uh, So it's really been the Clippers and the Suns for me are the only two teams in a seven-game series where I think I would take the opposite of the Nuggets.
0: Yeah, I mean, the thing is with the Nuggets is I, I think they are the best team in the West, but you can say Definitely. that and also recognize that they are, you know, materially less than 30% to get out of the West uh, and mm-hmm. off the field. I think the Clippers are probably the best team um, out of the field, but I think that we're just with Oklahoma City's schedule and the fact that they have a much easier path, like as yeah, we're yeah, recording, they may well lose to Phoenix beginning in 15 minutes or so, but um they're sitting in the one seed right now and if they're in the one that's probably going to mean that mean they avoid Denver until the western conference finals like i think they are i think their price and the clippers price should be much more similar just because the clippers are going to have a harder path like the clippers might have to play phoenix in round 1 um phoenix are i think the strangest team in the west given that you know they have all of this upside when the the three guys are healthy and playing together the stats there are excellent but um, it just doesn't seem like it's Durant is quite at the same level. Uh, and also they're just they're never healthy together. I do think with the Clippers it is it's been a little bit concerning how they've come out of the All-Star break. And I do think there are some things with their team, just the fact that, you know, Daniel Tyson, Mason Plumley are fairly involved, and and we'll talk about Norm Powell in a sec, but I mean the team is kind of dependent on Norm Powell in a way that uh, say, you know, the, the Nuggets aren't dependent on a player of that ilk. So, I, and I think that with Paul George going through some injury stuff and Kawhi Leonard has quieted down a bit before having a good game uh, against the Wolves, Harden is what he is largely. I think that this team is uh, is... Excellent and on team quality, probably the second best team in the West, but the fact that they are likely with this slide has really pushed them into the likely four seed spot and the fact that they're going to have to win two series on the road, um, including probably one against Denver to get through to the finals, um, feeling a little bit less bullish uh, on the Clippers than than a couple of weeks ago.
1: Yeah, and I'll say, too, I think when you look at the Western Conference and the whole Wild it's deeper, it's far more competitive, it's far more compelling to watch. That's 100% true. I think you could still find a lot of reasons why not to back some of these teams. Um, you know, obviously you spoke on the Timberwolves and some of their offensive issues. They haven't been a team that we could believe in, I feel like, either in years past. Even this year, they've still stumbled with some maturity issues. The Thunder, a team that has a little bit of postseason experience they've gained, But still, you know, if they get to a second round, you don't know if the Thunder are going to be able to withstand coming down from a 2-0 deficit. Uh, And then you get on the list of the Pelicans, the Kings, the Mavericks, Lakers, Warriors. You can make so many cases for these teams and the issues they have. So I do think it's between Nuggets, Clippers, and Suns out the West. And as far as the outright winner, which you see on the screen, if you're watching, I think the Celtics are still clearly the best team and the best bet.
0: Yep. No, I'm with you there. It's funny with the Wolves because, I mean, the Wolves, are. I mean, they're almost tied for the one seed and it really feels like they're 0% to actually win the West and make the finals or win the title yeah. just with all the stupid stuff that that team does, though. Obviously, they're not 0%, but it kind of feels like it sometimes. I do yeah. think with the Thunder, because everyone is baking in the youth uh, and the fact that you know this group has never even played a playoff game together, let alone won a series or anything. They got knocked out in the play-in by those Wolves last year. But, I mean, if they get the one seed, and right now they are effectively a joint favorite to do that, and they have Shea, who I think is a top five, six player in the NBA, and they have Jalen Williams playing at an all-star level, Chet Holmgren playing at pretty much an all-star level. I mean, the team is stacked, and a lot of the mm-hmm. the depth is hasn't been tested yet, and I think the Giddy will really suffer in the playoffs because of some of his specific weaknesses. But uh if they and it just doesn't really feel like they'd beat the nuggets in a series but if they could avoid denver uh and obviously they wouldn't be drawing totally dead in that series but i do think there is a path for Oklahoma City and I don't understand why they are you know effectively three times the Clippers odds for instance um that doesn't really ring true to me okay yeah. uh before we get to sixth man of the year spring training is here Vaughn so for those looking to get ahead on the upcoming MLB season grab your RotoWorld world baseball draft guide it's loaded with comprehensive positional rankings projections and player profiles to ensure your draft is a success visit mbcsports.com draft guide and use code BASEBALL24 to get 10% off at checkout.
1: Dear listener, please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by Fandango. Breathe in. Smell the fresh popcorn. Now exhale. Ha! Ah. Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango, it's your ticket to the movies.
0: All right, six man of the year. Uh, There were some happenings over the weekend in this market. Friday night, Malik Monk, much to my chagrin, goes absolutely berserk in Minnesota. Uh, He had four points at the half on. Finished with 39, uh, went absolutely off, scored 35 points in the fourth quarter in overtime, just could not yeah. miss a shot. And he moves from, he was minus 120, now he's minus 250 to win six man of the year. But uh, in keeping with seemingly the weekend tradition of just lighting up the Minnesota Timberwolves if you're a six man of the year candidate, Norm Powell <laughs> uh, on Sunday, he goes uh, his own version of Berserk, not quite a monk game, but at the same time, He's 9 of 13 from the floor, 6 of 8 from 3. Has a ridiculous windmill dunk towards the end of the game after uh, another stupid Wolves turnover. He scores 24 points and is, you know, with Kawhi, largely the reason that they go in and beat the the at-the-time one-seed Timberwolves. Uh, So Norm, he surges into now back to second favorite at plus 750. Karis LeVert has missed a couple of games with an elbow. He's plus 750 as well. Nas Reid, uh, who has taken a hit with these two losses, he's nine to one, and then Tim Hardaway Jr., who has quietly kind of done nothing for six weeks now, he's <laughs> to one, and uh, Bobby Portis is fifty to one, and I think there ends your list of realistic yeah. candidates. Bogdan Bogdanovich mm-hmm. and Jordan Clarkson might be winning on their team. So, what do you make of this market, Vaughn? Yeah, I love that you've
1: made the reference to Tim Hardaway Jr. because he was the favorite, uh, you know, about a month, six weeks ago. And uh, those odds have dropped drastically. But, uh, you know, Nas Reed. thing about him is when I look at some advanced numbers for some of these things, because uh, when I bet player props, you know, I'm looking at rebound chances, potential assists, those type of things. Nas Reed has the same rebound chances per game as Russell Westbrook, who we didn't see on that list. And not having Russell Westbrook on that list also benefits Norman Powell, too, because it's not be taking votes away from him. He was a guy at 10 to 1 two days ago I was looking at and I was considering because I want to get a bet in this market, Jay, because I had a manual quickly. And that's no longer happening since now he's a starter for the Toronto Raptors. But I will say that why, you know, Malik Monk has all the numbers, uh, his potential assists are right up there with the guys like Kyrie Irving, Durant, and Jimmy Butler. Um, Levert is a guy that I can't get behind. I don't think that he should be plus 750 in this market. Uh, I know he just missed this game, this past game, but, He's not been that good this past month in February, shooting below 30% from three, 41% from two, 77% from the free throw line. And I know he's got his rebound and assist numbers up, but I just have watched him and he's not even offered in the daily prop markets that bet on him. So I feel like that guy is going to be hard to imagine winning this market as well. So it might be clearly Malik Monk and maybe Norman Powell, but I would love to hear your opinion because now this is your part of the show. You have to take control.
0: Yeah, uh, and then I'll very much give you the uh, the wheel back for Big Ten. Um, so I think this market is now, I mean, it was. I think for a while it was a really difficult market to project. I now think it's a relatively easy it's market to project where I think that if Malik Monk, if the Kings just kind of do what they're expected to do and they hit their median mm-hmm. projection, which is like 46, 47 wins, 7 seed, Uh, I think that Monk likely wins because his just volume stats are just better than everyone else right now. He's 15.4 points per game, 5.2 assists, about league average efficiency, um, 45% from the field, a bit over 37% from three and 80% from the line. And it's just, I mean, on an individual level, it's the cleanest case. I think the other thing too, which I thought got a little bit undervalued by voters last year, but previously I think has rung true, is that Monk is just very important to his team. Like he closes games, he has a ton of offensive Mm -hmm. responsibility. He is just the type of player that wins six man of the year. And the thing that has been holding him back is that his team just isn't that good. Uh, I mean, they're fine, they're comfortably above 500, but this award typically goes to guys on top two seeds. I think Monk, with the fact that the Kings, they've been able to just grind out these wins that perhaps they shouldn't have. Uh, you know, They won in Denver, they win in Minnesota. That has just given him, I think, a bit of wiggle room in terms of team success where, look, I don't think he needs to get to like a five seed to win the award necessarily. Um, so I think that if you know he's like a seven and they're 47 wins, that will probably be enough for him to win. The real swing thing with this market is that Monk is close enough to like the 10 seed where he's not home by any means. And I know after the Minnesota game, everyone's like, oh, the award's done. The award's definitely not done uh, because Malik Monk right now in the Kings, they are two and a half games back of the 10 seed as well as the 9 seed Golden State, have an easy schedule the rest of the way. They could catch Sacramento. And if he falls into the 9 or the 10, at that point, I think he gets what I call Bogdan where Bogdan Bogdanovich, he cannot win this award because the Hawks are just too bad, and he's starting now as well, but he wouldn't have won anyway. If Monk is on a 9 or a 10 seed and the Kings are at like 44 and 38, I just don't think voters are going to want to vote for someone on that team, particularly when his case is good, but it's not like he's averaging 20 and 7. He's averaging 15 and 5. Like, that's a very beatable case. So if that Mm -hmm. happens, then it becomes more wide open, and now... After the weekend, I think the second most likely guy to win and the biggest threat to Monk is Norm Powell just because he has a differentiated case. His efficiency is through the roof. like He's at 64% shooting. He's basically 50% from the field, 46% from three, 80% from the line, thereabouts, uh, his scoring, is at like 13.7 points per game. But the key with Norm now is that Russ has fractured his hand and it's going to be out mm-hmm. multiple weeks. So one, just more usage, more minutes for Norm, more likely to close on a given night. And also as just as big as now there's no dilution of credit. Like he is their sixth man of the year candidate, whereas there was, oh, is it actually Russ who runs the second unit? Well, not if Russ has a broken hand. So I think Norm is the guy mm-hmm. at this point uh Nazareed if the Wolves get the one seed and they go on a bit of a run I think Naz with his like his advanced stats and having the one seed that would bring him back into the fray Levert I think has upside look I agree like I have a bet on Karis Levert to win this at like 40 to 1 it is painful to cheer for this guy as he yeah, shoots like it's... three of 11 each night but advanced stats really good he's a really good defensive player He's on a team that could be a two seed. And he also does have the scope. It's like he had 15 assists the other night. The game before that, he put up 18, 12 and eight. Like he does have mm-hmm. the statistical ceiling um, to get to these type of big games. So I wouldn't put a line through him, but the way I'm thinking of this market is I think Monk is now in like the sixty to sixty-five percent range to win the award. I think Norm is like your ten to twelve percent and the second favorite. And then I think Levert, Nas, they're like nine to ten percent. And then Tim Hardaway and Bobby Portis are the rest. And I don't really see much of a path no. for either of them. But uh what do you think of that that breakdown overall? Yeah, I love, I want to ask you then if Russell Westbrook
1: comes back into the mix, uh, what does that do to Norm Powell's case? Then would you be willing to put a ticket on him at the seven and a half or 10 to one range or are you passing?
0: I think at the current price, like I just want to let this play out a little bit. Like I don't think that Powell, uh, I don't think he's going to rapidly shorten in the market. They have some tough games coming up as well. The main thing to me with Powell, if I'm looking to bet this market, is I just want to see how often he is closing games. Like he closed today against the Wolves, but I mean he was shooting the lights out and he's making it, he made multiple buzzer beaters. Like he's having an insane game. So of course he's gonna close. But if he's just having a so-so game, like how often is Ty Lu closing with Norm? Because that's what Norm needs to, you know, it's just like right now, 13.7 points per game. On a four seed like just it's not that inspiring if you can get that to like 14 and then you get to like a three seed then i think it starts to get a little bit more viable particularly if monk is sliding too so i think norm is now the most likely guy and with russ if you have a norm ticket you want russ on the sidelines as long as possible i don't Absolutely. think russ sinks norm or anything, but it certainly helps um, the longer that he is out. So um, yeah, in Operation Take Down Malik Monk, for better or worse, I think Norm <laughs> with, um our scariest soldier left, which isn't a great spot to be. But uh, I do think that, you know, he is the guy as well, like, you know, he gets up threes, he's exposed to shooting variants more than um, some other candidates like Bobby Portis, for instance. So I do think if Norm just kind of is hot from three from a month, um, and he's been hot from three for kind of two years now, so that's very yeah. possible. Um, I think that that he is the guy most likely to challenge Monk. All right, uh, Vaughn, it's a marquee matchup to end the Big Ten regular season. Catch conference frontrunner Purdue take on Illinois as the fighting uh, Illini battle for seeding before the Big Ten tournament. Tip-off is set for 6.30 p.m. Eastern exclusively on Peacock. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long for Darwin Nunez to make an impression. The hope of rewriting history. And the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA, and Peacock. All right, Vaughn, this is your time to shine. Big Ten futures, uh, what is on your plate at the moment? Well, we might as well start right with those two teams, right?
1: Illinois and Purdue. They are the two favorites uh, in the Big Ten tournament right now. The odds that I saw had Purdue as about a minus one 130 range favorite to win the Big Ten tournament. Illinois is coming in second favorite at plus 500. And I really like that price, Jay. Uh, Since Terrence Shannon's come back, they've been 9-3, and averaging almost 90 points per game. They're the number two rated offense in that span, 19th overall. Now, there is something not to like, which, you know, I spoke to Drew about and he agreed. The defense ranked 202nd in that span. Definitely eye pops and gross concerns. But at the same time, that offense has been so good that they've overcome that primarily in the three-point defense where they rank number one in three-point defensive rate Uh, in those 12 games with Terrence Shannon back. So when you look down at the Big Ten tournament, obviously Purdue will be the one, Illinois will be the two. Potentially that swaps if Purdue ends up losing out. But Illinois will face the winner of the number five and 12, which right now will be Wisconsin and Rutgers. No shot that Illinois is losing to Rutgers. And I doubt Wisconsin, who in their last eight to nine games, has played the worst stretch of basketball of the season. So I love that first-round matchup for them, their first game matchup, I should say, because they'll have a two-game bye. Then they'll get Northwestern likely versus either Iowa, Penn State, or Michigan. Michigan's going nowhere. Uh, And Iowa and Penn State, not very scary, but offensive teams that are going to play with the tempo of Illinois. And Illinois has a little thing against Penn State they want to get back. So I like that matchup for Illinois regardless. So they would avoid obviously playing Big Purdue until the Big Ten championship. But the teams that they would play, the the scariest ones would be either Northwestern or Iowa. And I don't think either of those two teams are worth backing in the Big Ten tournament. Illinois is the most experienced. And they got guys like Domas, too, who can go get 20, 30 points every given night. So, Illinois, I think, is the sleeper out of the Big Ten in March Madness. And I think in the Big Ten tournament, they are the best bet by far. But, as always, Jay, you said you got Karis Laverto what, 40 to 1? Well, if you want to bet, that's even longer than that. Uh, I took Ohio State uh, and – have you been watching them lately, Jay? Do you know anything about the Buckeyes? This season's not over.
0: No, no, I'm gonna defer to you on the Buckeyes knowledge. I've been watching a lot of uh I've been watching a lot of Houston play to get my Big Twelve uh regular Phenomenal. season bet home. So I was uh mm-hmm. yeah, sweating bullets um as Jamal shared, got the uh bizarre offensive rebound uh at the end of the game uh a couple of nights ago and was able to get it back at the buzzer. But uh tell me more about Ohio State.
1: Yeah, well I will say I got the Cougars at plus seven fifty to win it all. That is uh, that is my best. sounds like it's an NBC thing. It's gonna be start rolling with the whole yeah, NBC team getting Houston Cougars. Uh but the Ohio State Buckeyes are 50 to 1 to 60 60 to 1 at most books. Listen, since Jake Debra took over, they are four and one. They obviously beat Purdue, but they've continued to roll. Uh they won today on Sunday as we're recording this. They are now, since February 18th, ranked the 33rd best team in the country with the 61st best offense in the 30th best defense per Vartorvik, which is crazy. No one saw this coming, but that coaching change has really shifted everything for this team. And they are not out of it. Their season's not over. They're a game away from being at 20 wins, which is not a given requirement to make the NCAA tournament, but it's kind of encouragement to do that to get in. Uh so Ohio state's very capable of knocking off one or two teams in the Big 10 tournament. So I think they're definitely worth a flyer, you know, if you have an extra five, 10, 20 bucks, Ohio State's that team to try and make a couple hundred or a
0: thousand. Okay, I like it. The Buckeyes, uh, they screwed me repeatedly uh, in the football department, but uh, I'm ready to believe. Uh, They're a basketball uh, school now, Jay. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, before we get out of here, Vaughn, anything else on your college basketball plate at the moment? Uh, anything that you're looking at?
1: Uh, we're going to have a special going on uh, when we talk about the Vermont Catamounts tomorrow in the next episode, but I will say for that Purdue Illinois game, I like the Illini. I'm going to be taking them on Tuesday, Jay. I'm getting the early line Monday as soon as possible.
0: Okay. I like it. The fighting Illini. All right. We are done for today. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks to those of you watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. And If you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to rate and subscribe. And also a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash Sports from Jay Croucher and Vaughn Dalzell. We will see you tomorrow.